You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Too Much, Part 5 of 5. Enjoy. You guys ready? Let's receive from the Lord this morning. Father, we love you. Your spirit is right here, right now. And we receive all that you have for us. You're great, and you're greatly to be praised. Lord, thank you for taking us from before the cross to after the cross. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us into the finished work of your Son, into the reality of our redemption, to the reality of what he's already accomplished for us. We recognize that the cross was not your goal. It was the means. Your goal was redemption, healing, and wholeness. And the cross was the means to that goal. So we step on to the other side and we receive the wholeness that your Son has accomplished for us. Holy Spirit, transform us this morning. We're not leaving here the same because you love us too much. And we thank you that we're leaving here stronger with the wisdom we need to do the things we need to do to make the decisions we need to make this week to go in the direction we need to go. And whether we turn to the right or the left, we'll hear a voice in us saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Thank you for your leadership in our daily lives. Thank you for bringing about your will, your abundant life in our lives just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God is too much. We're going to finger, finish up our too much message today. And I asked Jennifer to share for the next two weeks, the next Sunday and the following Sunday. And I just can't wait. I'm so excited. She said, I know what the message is. I said, what is it? She said, CCD. And I don't know if you know what that <laughs> means to me. That meant something different as a kid growing up. But she said, commission, calling, and dreams. And that God is big enough to fill all, fulfill all of them in your life. And it's, it's, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. But oftentimes we, ha- we rec- begin to recognize a calling on our life. We recognize God's commissioned us and we have these dreams. And we don't realize that they all fit together. And that God's big enough to fulfill them all. So that's what she's going to share on. I'm looking forward to that. But let's wrap this up. We're, we talked about 2018 being the year of too much. Judah, am I in the right place? I feel like I'm... Okay, we're good. 2018, the year of too much, and, and we're saying what we're saying, not because we just want to have a pep rally or, or pump people up, but because God really is this good. He really is too much. He, he really is determined to bless you beyond what you've dreamed of. In fact, he's like set on it. He's committed to absolutely making your life a life that's overflowing with love, joy, peace, finances, provision, wisdom opportunity that's that's who he is and that's what he's all about he not only wants to live with you he he he's living in you if you put your faith in christ and he not only wants to live with every family on earth he wants to live inside of every person on earth that's how much he wants to bless people we've looked at abraham who followed god by faith and do you remember our definition of faith Colossians 1 4 says it's the leaning of the entire human personality on God. And that's what we do. We lean our entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. 
That's the rich life. That's when life gets really good, when you lean your whole self on him with confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. Abraham followed God uh, by faith. He listened to what God said to him, and he acted upon it, and that's what we're doing. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. It says, by leaning his entire personality on God, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now, verse 10 says this, For Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. That city's on the other side of the cross. He was looking for it, though. What was he looking for? A city. We said last week a city is made of citizens, right? People. He was looking for people built by God. Ephesians 2 through 19 through 21 says that we are God's house, that we're built by him. 1 Peter 2.5 says that we're living stones built into a spiritual house. People built by God. People that have been made new through the Messiah. Romans 8.19 says this. The creation, that's the earth, all the stuff that's been made, waits in eager expectation for the sons of God or the children of God to be revealed. What does that mean? The world around you is waiting for you to realize who you are in Christ and take your place. The trees are waiting for that to happen. The trees don't want you to worship them. They want you to worship the one who made you. And they're waiting for you to realize who you are in Christ and take your place as a son or daughter of God in the earth. That's what the church is meant to be. People who recognize who they are in Christ and have taken their place in his body. This was God's desire from the beginning, to live with us and live inside of us. And the promise that Hebrews 11.10 uh, excuse me, 11.9 is talking about, is this promise of people made new, people built by God. Let's look, go back to Hebrews 11 and go to verse 39. You've been made by God. Once you put your faith in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit makes your spirit brand new. No lightning bolts may have uh, flashed in the sky, but it happened simply through simple faith in Christ. All right, verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, In all these, it's talking about all those before Christ who did great things through faith in God. They have obtained a good testimony through faith, but they didn't receive the promise. What was the promise? God and man being reunited through, through the Messiah that the Messiah would come and that anyone could put their faith in him and be made new. That was the promise they were looking for. Verse 40, God having provided something better for us. So you realize you're reading anything prior to Jesus rising from the dead 
and ascending unto the Father and the Holy Spirit coming, anything prior to that, you're looking at people who were not built by God. They were created by Him, but their spirits were separated from Him. David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of those men couldn't be born again because Jesus hadn't come yet. Many people don't realize that when they read the Old Testament. They say, well, they were, no, they weren't all born again. None of them could be. Their spirits were actually separated from God. But they were following him the best they could. We have a better promise. Our spirits aren't dead to God anymore. Our spirits have been made alive to God. We're alive to God. Isn't that great? Our spirits are sensitive to him. And the more you realize that, the more you'll sense his presence, the more you'll hear his voice, the more you'll be able to follow his leading in your lives. So this promise was this, this that, that man could be reunited with God through simple faith in his son. And now we're ambassadors of this message, this message of reconciliation, no matter who you are, what you've done or where you're from, if you'll just receive God's love for you, if you'll put your faith in God's sacrifice for you, Jesus Christ, he will make you new. So that's where we left off. And we're going to finish up with this. You got your seatbelt on. To know God, I mean to not know about him, but to know him personally is to know a superabundant, overflowing, gracious, kind, loving, benevolent, generous, lavish, easily entreated nature. That's who he is. And we're going to talk about prosperity. And the reason I'm talking about God's nature is because somewhere along the line, God's people started believing things that just aren't true and they developed a poverty mentality. And you'll hear some ministers preach and some people talk and they think, somehow they think that $100 million is more valuable than what God's already given us in Jesus. Or $100 billion or $100 trillion, you name it, is, is, is more valuable than what God has already given us. What's he already given us? Romans 8.32, right? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously, gladly, freely give us all things? So we recognize, although money is valuable in this world, what he's given us is infinitely more valuable. So we don't have a hang-up with money. And God wants to give us a lot of it. And this has been taught against in the church. In fact, I grew up in a church that taught some of their ministers to take a vow of poverty. Where did poverty come from? The curse. So can you imagine that? In, 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 a, in a church that's supposed to have, take their place and know who they are Christ, they're taking a vow to the curse that Christ redeemed them from. This is a big deal. Not trying to find fault with anyone, just showing you how backwards religion can get. God, it is God's will, and he, here's the, the one that, that will make the ministers and someone throw me in the slammer. It's God's will for you to be rich. I can't tell you that the arguments I've, I've heard and the, the, the con, you can't say that. 
Where did they get the idea that it's not his will? It's God's will for you to be rich financially for the rest of your life. Now, my grandparents went through the Great Depression. I don't know if you've you met younger. I don't know if you guys know about that in history, but it, be, it was a period of time that became known as "quote unquote" the Great Depression. But do you know that there were people who prospered financially, not illegally? There were those who did that too, but who prospered legally with integrity during the Great Depression. They thrived and did well by trusting in God. Because of this wrong concept of God and of money, what many ministers have done, if they'd be honest, they've preached this, I'm really afraid of money, so I'm going to teach you that God doesn't want you to have money, gospel. I really, I'm afraid what I might do if I have more of it. I, there's really maybe a, a, a selfishness there, or maybe a greed, or maybe a, a fear of what they might do if they had money. We need to knock this thing out of our thinking. As I grew up listening to my grandparents, and I lived with them for a while, I heard a lot of uh, fear because of what they went through. But the most tragic thing about the Great Depression was not the Great Depression, but the fear that so many allowed to attach itself to them and change the way they think. I mean, they were afraid to, to throw away anything. I mean, you know, anything, you saved everything. You couldn't throw away anything. Somewhere, someone, someone might need that. And when I got older and I started uh, studying things more objectively instead of for what I've been told and looking and reading the Bible, I discovered that the earth is not in a shortage of resources at all. The, 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 some, some agendas and political viewpoints will make you think that, that we've got we've to preserve our resources. We're, we're in emergency mode. The earth is going to dry up, and, and we've got to save it for our kids. The, the reality is there are more natural resources in the earth that we could ever exhaust. That might be shocking to you, but it's true anyway. God built an earth that is abundant. It's huge. In some ways, it's a small world when you talk about relationships and people, but you start studying the vastness of this world. What, I, what is the stat? You can take the entire world's population and fit them in the, the city limits of Jacksonville, something like that. This, the, the news makes you think the world is overpopulated. We've drained our resources. Fear, 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 fear. And they'll make you feel guilty for having more than enough. And that's all based on fear and wrong ideas. God wants you to prosper and have way more than enough. His name is more than enough. His name is prosperity. So someone can go through something like the Great Depression or any kind of situation and they can come to wrong conclusions not because of what they went through but because their mind and their heart were not fortified with the promises of God before that thing happened. Let me say that again. Someone can come to wrong conclusions about money or God or health or life, not because of what they went through, but because before it happened, 
their hearts and minds weren't fortified with the promises of God enough to process things properly. And, you know, and I, I was in the military for a while, and there was, you know, the, there's different views on wars and things that have happened. Wars are a part of this world. They're never going to stop until Christ comes back. I'm sorry to tell you, because Satan's the God of this world. And there's a, there's a reality of death and life. There's an eternal perspective you can develop. And what has happened with so many soldiers over the last 30 years is they're going into combat and they haven't been fortified in their mind and heart with an eternal perspective of what death and life is. And as a result, they come back wrecked because they've been fed a bunch of wrong information. We're living in a war zone. The Satan is the god of this world. We need, we need our hearts and our minds fortified with the promises of God so that we can process what's going on in the world in the light of truth. Instead of the news. All right? It will change everything. So what about you being rich? What's God have to say about that? The promise. Remember the promise? Man being reunited with God. God wanted to take his people into the promise land. Where they would live with God. God brought you out from the world to bring you into the abundant life he has for you. Now in the Old Testament, the promised land was a geographical location. In the New Testament, it's a quality of life. So I don't have to travel anywhere to get it. It comes through faith in who Christ is, what he's done for me, and who I am in him. That's where the abundant life comes from. Let's go to John 10.10 again. Let's eat some more. We're here and we're going to have a good meal this morning, okay? We've we've had appetizers. We're going to have our salad and our soup. We're going to have our entree, maybe two entrees. Then we're going to have that little lemon thing that clears your palate. What's that called? Sorbet, Sorbet, yeah. Have some of that. And then we're going to have dessert, maybe two desserts. So sit down, put your napkin on your lap, and let's eat, okay? This is John 10.10, and this verse has changed my life because it's Jesus stating very clearly and very directly his purpose for us. He says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Poverty is a part of that. Poverty cripples you. It keeps you from being able to do the things that God wants you to do. It's a part of the curse. Jesus has redeemed us from poverty. We're not putting down people. You understand that? There are things that Jesus, Jesus hates everything associated with the curse. Not people, but Jesus hates sickness and disease. He hates poverty. He hates depression. We're not talking about people. We're talking about these things that came about as a result of the curse, and he's provided us freedom from all of them. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. I mean, you just can't get any plainer than that. There it is. What's God about? What's his agenda? He wants you to have life in all of its fullness. If life in all of its fullness doesn't include prosperity, it's not life in all of its fullness. Right? My purpose is to give life in some of its fullness. Why do some teach that? 
Well, you don't need money. Yes, you do. Why do you say that? Have you ever been to a store? What did you pay with? <laughs> really? Who, who would ever believe a thought you don't need money? They must have never, I don't know, never paid a bill or never bought anything. If you go in a store and tell them you don't need money and walk out with your merchandise, you're going to need a lawyer is what you're going to need. All right? And more money. And more money, yeah. Because <laughs> lawyers know they need money, right? And we need to know that. We need money to operate in this world. Why has the church been afraid to acknowledge that? What are the people so afraid of? We need lots of money to fulfill our destiny. More money than you could ever make in your own strength and wisdom. We need supernatural increase in our lives to fulfill the plan of God in the earth. We need it. We need comma after comma after comma. We do. We're multiple comma people. Let's look at the New Living Translation. Are we okay? This is good. Let's, let's go forward financially this year. Come on. This is Jesus talking. I didn't write any of these statements. He said, my purpose, my divine God the Father gave it to me, asked me to lay down my glory, empty myself and come to earth as a baby, endure persecution from, from people, be whipped and scourged and descend into hell and die and be separated from my Father for three days and raised up and bear the curse and defeat it and, and go back to my Father and send the Holy Spirit purpose is to give them a rich... Just listening for sirens. Religious police are probably coming in. A rich and satisfying life. Boy, Jesus is so real. He wants you to have a rich life. A rich bank account. Many of them. A rich investment account. Rich businesses. Rich ideas. Rich and satisfying life. The message says it this way. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. How many people have watched Little House on the Prairie? Anyone ever seen that show? It's one of my faves. But when Laura was little, you know Laura, little Laura, Charles' daughter, Half Pint? <laughs> when Half Pint was little, she had a friend, Nellie, who was rich. Remember Nellie? Oh, that Nellie. Pow, to the moon, Nellie. But uh, Laura had a dream on one episode that she was rich. She had a dream that she was riding in this beautiful carriage with white horses and lived in a castle, and, and Nellie was poor. She had this dream. <laughs> but look what Jesus says here, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. When you dream of your future, do you dream of being poor? Wow, I, I can't wait till I'm laying on the side of the road starving. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Let's work towards that. Come on, Jennifer, let's really, this is our goal now. We're going to, we want to be, we want to be, have nothing, no food. We want to have clothes that are falling apart. This is our dream. No one dreams of that. Why does no one dream of that? Because we were made in the image of God. When you dream of things, you dream prosperous dreams. Guess who designed that? God. It's God's desire for you to prosper. That's why we dream. We dream of more than what we have now. And that's right. Let's clap for Jesus. There's a reason we have prosperous dreams. There's a reason Half Pint wanted to ride in a white carriage and live in a castle. Because her father was God. 
The Weiss translation says, I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in super abundance. God's ways are super abundant, over the top. 1 Timothy 6.17. See, you've got to understand when we talk about prosperity and a message like I'm preaching could be criticized as a false gospel. Don't go there. They're preaching the prosperity gospel. And I understand where that's coming from and that criticism is coming from. And I'm not saying everything that is preached along these lines is, is, is in, the, in, in line with the nature of God. But I know this. The gospel Jesus brought to the earth is a gospel of prosperity. It is. It includes prospering in every area of life, including finances. 1 Timothy 6.17. I love the Bible. It says, instruct those who are rich in this present world, like Nelly, right? Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who what? Richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now notice that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, he's not putting down rich people, is he? He's not saying rich people are bad, that they've taken all the money from the poor. That is a lie. There is more than enough money in this world for every single human being to be exceedingly wealthy. You know, there is money floating around the world that is unaccounted for. I forget what the figure is. It's a, a billion figure. It's in the billions. Money that's just circulating, in circulation, that is unaccounted for. Have I ever told you about God, me, and Michael Jordan? I told you that story. Well... In 19, we stay there one second. In, uh, was it 96, I think it was, we came back to the States and we were living in our apartment and our stuff was being shipped from overseas and the Bulls were in the playoffs and that was in the Jordan's day. And uh, Scottie Pippen and all those guys. I'm sitting there watching the Bulls play. And man, it was fun to watch those guys. And the Lord starts speaking to me about prosperity because the commentators were talking about this, what these guys are getting paid. And they went down like some of the key players and so-and-so is making this much. I was like, wow. And then the Lord started saying, how many, how many players are on that team? Wow, quite a few. And they're all getting paid, aren't they? Yeah. How many players are on the other team? Wow. How many coaches are on each team? How about their staff and assistants, their general manager, and so on and so forth? How many teams are in the NBA? I mean, you start adding this up. How many professional sports are there just in America? How many players are there on those teams, and how many teams are there in each individual sport? How many sports, professional sports are there in the world? See, if you just stop and think, wait a minute, there's a lot of money in this world. There's not a shortage of it at all regardless of what the stock market is doing. That's all changes from day to day. And he started, he started teaching me about the abundance that's in the earth, which is so different from what you hear in the news. Because if you're thinking so-and-so stole all your money from you and, and the bad, bad rich people took my money, which is taught in political arenas. I've heard so, politicians over the years slamming rich people, saying they, they, uh, it's terrible that they've got all the money. That's just not true. 
You know, people have applied themselves and done things and, and changed their lives and disciplined themselves and, and come up with great ideas and businesses, and they've prospered as a result, and that's good. God wants you to do the same. Prosperity is good. It's not bad. I, I can just feel this is kind of hurting a little bit in someone's thinking. Listen, God wants you to prosper. Stop looking down on those who've done well. Stop thinking that you're supposed to live poor. Wherever you're at, God has prosperity for you, and he's going to do it supernaturally in your life if you'll just grab a hold of his nature. He, he, this is God's desire. He wants to supply you with all things richly to enjoy. So he's not putting down rich people. He's saying this, teach them where it all comes from. Right. Right. Isn't that great? Right. He's not saying bad, bad, rich No, he's saying remind them, teach them, let them know where all these things come from. The Amplified says this. Let's pop that up there. Who richly, this is his nature, this is his character. God who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Are you kidding me? No. This is his nature. Verse 17 uh, in the message. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. See, if you don't know the nature of God, the messages we preach here won't make sense. Right. I'm just telling you. You'll be like, huh? Why is he saying that? Because this is who he is. This is his nature. We see this over and over again in the scriptures, all the way back to Adam and Eve, before the fall. I mean, God could have made man and gave him a little 10 by 20 garden with a few carrots and an onion or two, right? But what did he do? He gave him planet Earth. Hello. Talk about prosperity. No one has ever been more prosperous than that. They owned the whole world. Money, not a problem, right? He gave them the earth. That's his nature. Remember, something we say regularly at Highway Church, there are three places to go in the Bible where you can clearly see the will of God. Number one is in the beginning before the fall. Before sin entered the picture. You can clearly see God's nature there. What's my will for man? Wholeness, eternal life, prosperity, intimacy with me. Okay, first place before the fall. The second place is in the ministry of Jesus. Because he's God in the flesh. You can clearly see God's nature in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The third place in the Bible is at the end, Revelation, after Satan is bound. And you see the nature of God. No poverty, no sickness, no disease, no more wars, because God is not behind those things. So we also saw it in Abraham. We, we talked about Abraham. We didn't go into all the details. He's a fascinating guy. But God called, at 75, God said, I want you to leave your, your, your country, your family. They're worshiping idols. I've got something better for you. And God made Abraham so rich, kings were afraid of him. God did that. It wasn't Abraham. He didn't invent like the screwdriver or sliced bread or anything like that. He didn't have a patent on something. God prospered him. This is his nature. The Israelites, man, very fascinating. <laughs> the Israelites' story is kind of a rough one. I mean, they, they, 
rejected God so often. They worshipped other gods, not all of them, but the vast majority of them. And they found themselves in slavery in the nation of Egypt. And in one night, one night, God brought them out of slavery, poverty, and disease into freedom, wealth, and health in one night. Amazing. Psalm 105, 37 talks about that. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3. This is God speaking to Moses. I want you to grab a hold of these promises. Remember, you can just snap these on your phone, get pictures of them, go home, write them down. Go over these. Get to know God's nature. Once you realize that this is his plan and purpose for you, it opens the door for you to experience it in your finances. And it's not about you breaking your back to make it happen. It's about letting God show himself to you. Oh, boy, this is getting good. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. This is God talking to Moses. How cool is this, right? He says, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians. It was never God's will for them to be in slavery, right? Never God's will for anyone to be in slavery. And to bring them up out of the, that land, the land where they're slaves, unto a good land, a large land, Look how God talks. A land flowing. What does that conjure up inside of you? Right? You see just rivers of milk flowing down the mountainside, right? Honey just dripping from the trees. A land flowing with milk and honey. What is that? Prosperity. Prosperity. Under the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Heva. So there are, there are people in that land. But God wanted to move them into it. The Amplified says, a land of plenty. <laughs> I like that. Did you ever have the good and plenty candy? A land of good and plenty. <laughs> the message says this, to a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey. Now, come on. A land with wide open spaces. A land lost. God wants you to own your own land. Don't be afraid of that. He wants you to have your own land, your own property. There's more than enough property in the world for everyone to have their own. Don't let anyone tell you different. And you know, if you look at history, you'll see in the nations where people were allowed to have their own property, you saw more freedom, more prosperity in that nation as opposed to the government trying to hold on to all of the property, right? To a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey. I like how God talks, don't you? Isn't it good? Now, interesting to note, you'll hear sometimes God's people, he takes them out of slavery, he heals and delivers them in one night, and then, you know, and he parts the Red Sea for them, he just, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and, and God's people get all excited. Then a day later, they're like, mm, where's God? What's he doing? And they'll say things like, oh, back in Egypt, we had cucumbers and leeks and garlic. And Interesting, the fruits of the land, of the slave land they were in, all grew on the ground. The fruits of the promised land were grapes, pomegranates, figs. They grew on the trees. See, Satan wants you to be bent over and look down. Harvesting stuff that grows in the ground is hard work. 
You got to bend over. Your back starts to hurt after a while. You got to get down in the dirt. Remember the woman who has bent over for 18 years that Jesus said, Ought not this daughter of Abraham be loosed, whom Satan has bound for 18 years? What was her life? Satan wants you in this position, right? 18 years. What's 6 plus 6 plus 6? The number of the enemy, right? But in the promised land, the fruits were up. I lift up my eyes to the hills. God wants you to look up and just pluck it off the tree. No bending required. When something's growing on a tree, and I just it's a finished work. It's a finished work that I can reach up and I can grab and I can partake of because the work's already been done. That's what Judy mentioned. So many Christians have been taught to live on the wrong side of the cross, on the wrong side of the tree. We teach the finished work here. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. God wants people to enjoy the finished work of His Son. Deuteronomy 6.10. Look at this. This is amazing. God says, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's going to give you rundown cities that are in disrepair, um, which you're going to have to rebuild, houses that are a wreck that you're going to have to flip and call Chip and Joe, and, and wells that are just overgrown. You're going to have to redig. And vineyards that are all eaten with bugs. No. That's not what God said. That's what religion might teach. It's not what God said. He wants to give you large and beautiful cities. Come on, Boston. He wants to give you Boston. We got to let God be God in our lives. There's nothing small about Him. It's time to dream God dreams for our lives and stop listening to constricting ideas of man's religion to give you large, beautiful cities, San Diego and San Francisco and Boston and New York. Large and beautiful cities which you did not build. That's over the top. Come on. What's God want to give you? Well, maybe a little house. No, I want to give you a whole city. A large, beautiful one that you didn't build. Houses, next verse. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Are you kidding? Mm -mm. Hewn out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here we go. Your seatbelt is still on, right? God did not put you on earth for the sake of work. Let's pray. God did not put you on earth for the sake of work. In fact... Uh, they criticized Jesus' disciples for doing things on the Sabbath, and they criticized him. 
And he said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Why did God put you on earth? To have an intimate relationship with him. To follow him, to walk with him, to experience him, to taste him every day. And to help others do the same. You ready? It's not a job you need. You don't need a job. I know this is crazy. Just hang with me. You don't need a job. You need a relationship with him. People have taught that a job is more important than a relationship with him. Don't, don't leave yet. I heard it all. Just, the, 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 you, you need to go up. You need to get a job. You need to get an education, whatever. You need to get a job. You need to, that's the mindset. You got to work. You got to earn your retirement. You know, these are the things you have to do. All you need is an intimate relationship with Jesus. Colossians 1.4. Let's put it up there in the Amplified. Stay with me. I'm going to show you what I mean. I'm not telling you to quit your job, but maybe you need to. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The leaning of what? Your entire human personality. The leaning of your entire, just like a recliner, right? The leaning of your entire human personality on Jesus. In absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. When you lean your entire self on Jesus you will discover your life's purpose. And only then, really. When you give your whole self to where you're no longer afraid of trying to make the ends meet, where you're no longer afraid of, Are, am I going to have enough money in the future to retire? When you lean your whole self on Jesus, He will reveal to you the very reason you were created. And then, how you choose to employ your talents, your abilities, your giftings, your resources will be inspired by your relationship with Him, not by your perceived needs. This is when life changes. And you're no longer working because you're afraid of not having enough or because you're trying to get this new home or trying to get a retirement plan or, or want to go on this trip. You're now employing your gifts, not because you need a job, but because God has made you to do something. Right. And it's a place of power and strength that no one can take away from you. A job can come or go, but your destiny can't be taken. Right. One place can fire you, but they can't take your destiny away. Someone else is going to find me. Someone, God's going to, maybe I'll have to start my own radio station. Ah! Why not? This is good. Isn't this good? So I was crazy growing up. You know, I came to know Jesus about 19, and I, I just thought, wait a minute. All I got to do is follow him. I mean, there was so much pressure. You know, expectations from family. You have to be this. You've got to get these qualifications before you reach a certain age. But I started reading the scriptures. Wait a minute. 
We're not on earth for this. We're not here to try and achieve some American dream. We're here to fulfill the Father's dream. So all I really need to do is, is just keep that intimacy with my maker. Talk to him, walk with him, and let him lead me as to where I work, when I work, and how I work, and what I work in. And he's done it for almost 30 years. And he's provided more than enough every step of the way. Let's finish up and look at Jesus. Let's look at this abundant nature in Jesus. So when I say that, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I, I'm not. But it, it might be time to rethink your job, to rethink why you're doing what you're doing. Is this really what I'm made for? It might be a part of it. I don't know. Only God can lead and guide you. Let him lead you, not, not society, not, not your checkbook, but the Holy Spirit. This is what he wants to lead you into. Look at Luke chapter 5. This is God in the flesh. Luke chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1. We'll kind of skim down through here quickly. Um, Jesus is, is uh, ministering. And we'll go to verse 2. It says, and he saw two ships. What are these two ships a part of? A fishing business. A prosperous fishing business. Two ships. Religion makes you think they had these two little boats and went out and threw the little. No, these are ships. Commercial ships that fish. That are in the industry of fishing. So Jesus looks at these two vessels of industry by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, one of these vessels of industry, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would, trust, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ships. So, so Jesus walks into your business and, say, and sits down and starts teaching people. Wouldn't that be great? Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, one of the partners in the business, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. So this was on Jesus' mind. What was on Jesus' mind? Simon, his business prospering. I thought God had more important things to think about. Nothing's more important to God than you prospering. That's why he gave his son. Launch out into the, this is Jesus. I mean, he's only going to be ministering for like three plus years, but he takes time out of his ministry schedule because this is a part of his ministry schedule. And he says, Simon, I'm about to bless you. Amen. I'm about to plos, prosper your business like you've never seen because yes. this is my will for you. This is why I've come. And Simon answering says unto a master, we've toiled. We got that verse up there, verse 5. We've toiled. All the night. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, If the Lord doesn't build the house, the business, then you're, you're laboring in vain. You're, you're rising up early and you're staying up late. If the Lord hasn't led you into this, if the Lord's not building this, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to miss out on your destiny. We have toiled all the night in our own strength, right? And what's happened? We've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I'm not sure if he was doing that kind of begrudgingly or if he was really having faith. I don't know. Verse 6, he said, and when, they had done, and, and when they had this done, thank you, King James, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, or fishies, <laughs> and their net break. 
Look at this. And when they beckoned under their partners, this is a business, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Hello, 2018. It's time for your ships to be overflowing and your ships to start to sink. Now, he didn't fill them so much they couldn't get back to land. They made it back to land, right? But this is a, this is a, 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 a prosperous day in business like they had never seen. Because they listened to Jesus. They had toiled for years. But one word from God changed everything. This is what I'm talking about. Stop looking for a job and look for God's word for your life. What has he spoken to you? What is his plan and purpose for you? So Simon Peter falls down at Jesus' feet. After this, he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. See if we have time to go on. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And rightly so, being astonished, right? What's Jesus say to them? Fear not. Don't be afraid. From henceforth you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. They walked away from their jobs. Why? If we follow this guy, we're set for life. Let's be real, right? This guy has the answers. I've tried toiling all night. I just fall. I listened to one word from him, and the toil was over. Matthew 14, Matthew 14, starting in verse 14. Jesus went out. He saw great multitudes. He was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. This is the will of God, right? Jesus in the flesh. It's never God's will for you to be sick. Never. He never uses sickness to teach anybody anything. It's not a part of his plan. It's not a part of his purpose. It's not a part of his nature. You've got to learn to hate sickness and see it as the thief that it is. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. What? <laughs> and they said to him, like we've got five loaves and two fishes. So what are they doing? They're looking at what they have. Don't be afraid to start a business by looking at what you have. Look at his word. You've got everything you need when you've got his word. Bring them here to me. Bring what you've got to me. That's what I'm talking about when I say we're not here for a job. We're here to bring what we have to him and let him speak to us. And, and, and bring about his destiny. Verse 19. Then he commanded what they had and brought to him the five loaves and two fishes. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took what they had and he, he looked up, not down. He looked up to his father and he blessed. And what happened? It began to multiply. And he broke the loaves and the fishes and the disciples distributed to the multitude. And it says all that ate were filled, satisfied. And they took up 
12 baskets full of fragments that remain. This is supernatural. Verse 21 says that, that those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So what are we talking about? A crowd of 10, 15,000? I don't know. A lot of people. This is a supernatural provision. This is the nature of God. Take, give me what you have and watch me multiply it. One more. Mark chapter 10. Verse 28. Peter began saying to Jesus, this is after the rich young ruler came to Jesus. Do you remember this, this account? And, 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 and the rich young ruler didn't quite understand God. Right? He didn't understand. He was the law. He thought by the law instead of by, by the love of God. And, and he walked away disappointed thinking that if he followed Jesus, he was going to miss out. He was going to have to give up his wealth. But actually, if he would have followed Jesus, he would have got a hundred times more wealth than what he had, is what Jesus is about to say. Peter says to him, behold. And Peter's thinking, hey, you know, I had a fishing business. I know about this. He's saying, you know, we, we left everything and followed you. What's our paycheck? Verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake to follow me. It's got to be for the right reason, right? For my sake and for the gospel's sake. But that he shall receive a hundred times as much. What would a hundred homes be worth? Seriously. Isn't that what he's saying? A hundred times? A hundred houses? If you owned a hundred houses, what would the number be on that? Looking at a lot of money, aren't you? A hundred houses. This is Jesus talking. Sometimes it's good to do the math when you're reading the Bible. It's real. Do the math. <laughs> That's a good message right there. Yeah, a hundred times as much in this present age. Now, I like that. Religion will say, well, maybe in heaven. Now. A hundred times, a hundred homes now. Can you handle it? A hundred homes now. In this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and farms. What would a hundred farms be worth? Imagine the eggs you could have, Jennifer. A hundred farms. Woo! We've got ten chickens, and we're... <laughs> Along with persecutions. You know what the persecutions are? The religious people criticizing you because you have too much. You're, you're ungodly. That's not humility. And in the age to come, eternal life. Wow. God, you're good. Hallelujah. Let's close with this scripture in Amos. Then we're done. Amos 9, verses 13 and following. I like reading it. It just blows our minds. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. Thank you for 2018, year of too much. God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing, fast, on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again. Hallelujah. 
Well, let's see. Let's keep reading. we got another moment here. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work with gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them, plant them on their own land, private property. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Father, we love you. Lord, we're going to let you be God in our thinking. We're just going to let you be God. We're, we're, we're throwing caution to the wind, and we're saying, Holy Spirit, be the wind in our lives. Be the one who leads us and moves us forward. We're not afraid because you're our Father. We're not afraid anymore of our financial future. We're not afraid of what's going to happen because you've gone before us and made the crooked places straight. Father, we thank you for homes that we didn't build, full of all good and beautiful things. For, Lord, cars, for state-of-the-art technology, things, Lord God, that we didn't earn and that we didn't build, we thank you. This is who you are. You are a father that desires to bless and prosper his children. And we're not going to try and shut that down with some false humility. You're God. And we say your nature, your will be done in our lives just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for vineyards we didn't plant, for jobs we didn't create, opportunities we didn't foresee, Lord God. Thank you for ideas and businesses we didn't come up with, Lord God. We thank you for leading and guiding us. We take you at your word and we step forward. We let down our nets and we thank you, Jesus, for filling them up to overflowing. We thank you for sinking ships and breaking nets, Lord God. In Jesus' name, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.